Well, ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast that regretted a butterscotch soda this much. <laughs> I'm your host, Harry Devola. I can spell it from here. It's, uh, it's it's not great. I'm joined by my co-host, producer Kyle. Hi. If you tuned in last week, you heard us begin to talk about fairy tale. We begun so hard we did half an episode. Yeah, boy. Uh, we're just gonna jump straight back into it. Yep. Yep. Great. Do you remember where we were? Yep. We were about to go to the party boat. Yeah. I was gonna say we're above the line that you drew in the episode, but yeah, sure. Yeah, look, there's a, I did a line, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. See. Mhm. All right. So, Lucy is going to tolerate the the pervy man's buffoonery in order to get into the good guild. Yep. All right. So it is now the night, the night time where that would have happened. Mm-hmm. And we uh, start things off with Natsu and Happy up in, like, the, the hills around the little cove town that they're in. Mm-hmm. Happy sees a big ship out in the bay and wonders about that salamander guy and his parties, like Jerry, and that's the boat. And there's these three random girls nearby, and they're talking about it too. And one explains to another how the salamander is a big swinging dick in fairy tale. And that's when Natsu's like, cool. It's one of the first times we see him not uh, sick or being a goof. Um, well, while all that's unfolding, we get... Um, it, it's all building up to a good character introduction. That's why I'm, I'm savouring it a bit. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. it it's worth watching. Uh, we go and check on Lucy at the aforementioned yacht party. Yeah. The salamander does this cool move of levitating the most orange Fanta-looking champagne I've ever fucking seen. It is orange. Look, you can drink Fanta out of a champagne glass if you want. I guess. Um, but because he's a terrible perf scumbag, um, he chooses the quote, Open up wide, Lucy. Savor the taste of every flavorful drop as it enters your mouth. What? Yeah, her reaction gives me a chance to mention something I enjoy about this show, and you touched on last episode. Um, the off-model emotions that the characters do. Like, lots of manga and anime does it, but I love it here more than usual. Yeah. There's... I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's a smudge more exaggerated than we normally see. Maybe it's just the exact right amount. It's not too much. It's not infrequent. You enjoy it too. Yeah. I like that they even find a way to get it into the video game as well. Yeah, and it suits their characters, you know, that they're not always drawn in one style because they are very multi-dimensional characters. I was going to say they're very chaotic, just as people. <laughs> so I'm being fancy with my word choice. The uh, the drink I've chosen to wet my whistle with during this recording has made me depressed. Mm-hmm. Right, I will continue regardless. She ends up not drinking it, you know, after he says that sick shit, and proclaims to know he is literally using magic as a replacement for spiking her drink right now. I mean, yeah, he's using charms and spells and stuff, but that's exactly what's happening there. At this point, she gets a little worse than maybe one case of date rape 
It turns out every man aboard is just a hired goon, and every woman, either knocked out from charmed wine or by force, are being taken away to be sold as slaves. Yay, human trafficking. Yeah. Before Lucy can act her magical keys, which we explained last week, please listen to the last episode if you're coming in now. Um, yep, her magical keys are tossed down into the sea, leaving Lucy pretty much up shit creek, because that's the only way she can use magic. Yeah, she, that's her one style of magic. She's not like a spellcaster. Because they do explain that a bit. Some people just use items. Some, some are better at using items than others. Yeah. <sighs> um, and this is when it happened. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Buckle up, you know. Out of the night sky, something falls. It smashes through the ceiling of the cabin. It just splinters and dust and debris scatters. As the dust settles, a fierce pink-haired warrior stands before everyone, then is promptly seasick. Yeah. It's almost a great... Hey, look, it's the man. But, yeah, he, he botches it. Lucy is very disappointed in the would-be hero, and Happy flies in after Natsu. And he's like, oh, hey, Lucy, what's going on? He's very casual about the whole ordeal. And she's like, oh, yeah, this asshole promised to be fairy tale and wants to traffic me. Everyone else is just, like, stunned in place about this flying cat. So they don't really respond very quick and Happy just sort of picks up Lucy and they just start going back to shore. Yeah, it's fine. I like his delivery. Like, Natsu comes in this big smashing entrance and then he's sick and then everyone's like, holy shit, a flying cat. And he's like, hey, Lucy, what's going on? They've previously met. So. I know, but he never flew before this either. Like, not to her knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. Um, at first, the salamander um, fires a firework of a spell at Lucy and Happy before they can get to some sort of police. Um, they fall from the sky, and he's like, we got to get out of here and sell these bitches. Mm. So they start hightailing out. Um, firstly, Lucy finds her gate keys in the water. Very lucky and convenient there, it's good. Well, I mean, it would make for a pretty crappy TV series if, if she lost If it's a whole season of one. her just scuba diving looking for her keys. Yeah. So, yeah, she does find her keys relatively. Yep, and she summons a Celestial. A Aquarius. Um, Kaya? Oh. Aquarius? She, she is a sea siren. Mm-hmm. For those playing at home, that just means she's a fancy mermaid. And she is the most, like, over it woman in existence. She, she hates the fact that she, she has Lucy. a contract with Lucy. She's even like, though she still has a contract with Lucy. She is very mad, and she just wants to brag about her boyfriend. Yeah, she's currently dating Scorpio. Yeah, but they don't even explain that for a while. It's just, oh, I've got a hot boyfriend. I don't have time for your shit woman I'm contracted to help. Yeah. And she tries to drain Lucy, and Lucy's like, hang on a second. You, you tried to kill me. She's like, yeah. yeah. She's not very nice. Did I not succeed? Dang. Yeah. So, yeah, she pretty much tidal waves everything onto the shore, mostly in order to fuck with Lucy, but as a side effect, Natsu can actually walk and talk again now that he's on land. I will wait. All right. So Natsu's pissed that this dude is claiming to be a fairy tale wizard because... Natsu has been a member for like a decade and has never seen this guy here once. Um, he pulls off his coat and that's when the goons see his guild emblem mark and they react like it's a bat symbol, like it's a big like, oh shit reaction. Well, I mean, I if you're like impersonating 
someone and then you found out that that someone was there, you mm. probably would be pretty, you know. Yeah. So Happy explains to Lucy that the guy, the salamander guy, is Bora. Some shithead who was kicked, who was kicked out of his own guild for doing vaguely evil shit, considering human trafficking. I'm not really shocked by that, mm. but I wonder the scale that led from. I was in a what is what is more or less a police force of good guys to I'm selling women for fuck. Mm. Well, <laughs> he never says so. That's what it for. They could be maids. They're all relatively young, attractive women being sold into vague slavery, Kyle. There's some holes getting used. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, that's happening. Um, yep. He is not the salamander, and he is not a fairy tale wizard. Bora, however, is still very dangerous and pretty much rains a big fiery explosion down on young Natsu. Him and his goons, they, they turn to leave. They're like, alright, good, let's skedaddle before, like, people come. Yeah, and then that's when Natsu inhales the fire from around him. And everyone is like, whoa, what the fuck? Except for Happy, who proclaims in that... Sp- you know that, that spectator in an anime kind of way that mm-hmm. Brock used to always do in Pokemon? It's like, oh, they're, they're doing this thing because this, this, and this, you know? Yeah. It's always that shit. He got... 50% dragon- of Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> He's got dragon moms. Yep. Fire magic doesn't work on Natsu. The catchphrase comes out, um, now he's got a fire in his belly, which he does like to say. Um, I do like the, like, even though that's his catchphrase, they make fun of him with it. Because they know he's- Because other people will use it and stuff as well. It's all a relatively realistic take on personalities, so if you know an asshole who is genuinely trying to use a catchphrase, you're going to hang shit on him. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, and this is when he uses he, he brings it all in, and then he uses a spell he calls Fire Dragon Roar, and it tears the beach to pieces. The goons get pretty sizzled, and then they start to realize um, the powerful pink-haired guy with fire magic from Fairy Tale. Um... The, the reveal here is that Natsu is the, like, the dragonborn for Skyrim people. He's the dragon slayer. He is the actual salamander. That's, like, the twist reveal. Yeah. Happy tells Lucy about how they were looking for Igneal the dragon because that is his father. Um, of course. Yep. Yeah. All the while, the theme song is, like, going and Natsu just pummeling this dude up and down the port. Like, it's, it's such a good move to introduce him this way. I really like it. Yeah, and it, you know, we get enough information that like but we we've been, know been we can spoon do something fed, with it. Yeah, we've been spoon fed information like throughout the whole episode. Yeah. And it all this leads is into payoff. a big Yeah, it's a really good payoff. Yeah. I agree. Uh, spoilers if you haven't watched it, but I did not I did say you should last episode. That was how we ended this. Mm-hmm. Alright, so he wins the fight because duh. But yeah, the town's military that. people, they start assembling to stop the pinkhead fellow who is essentially Godzilla in the town. Yeah. So he grabs Lucy and they make a run for it. And she's like, why the fuck am I involved now? And he's like, well, you want a fairy tale and that's where I'm going to go hide right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hit the most tropey thing ever in a, you know, a pilot episode of an anime. And that is the main characters on their journey together... Um, being in a freeze frame and then starting to look like a painting before the credits roll. Yeah. How many times have we seen that? The one that comes to mind for me is Archiva's Trip, because I remember that one probably being, like, the first one I paid attention to. Yeah. But I'm certain it, at it least 20 versions of Pokemon do that. 
Do you have a favorite version of that? Do they ever do one of those in like a Disney Channel television series or anything? Um, not that I can think of <laughs> okay. off the top of my head. I'm sure Phineas and Ferb has done it once. I don't know. Maybe. Um, all right. So, we've finished the first episode. And, you know, it's time to continue and finish the first chapter of the manga while we're at it. Because mm-hmm. that was what we were doing. Please listen to the previous episode. Um, the only extra thing that... Um, but as far as comparisons between anime and manga go, the only extra things it shows is them arrive at the big building, you know, the, the guild. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has the council return to point out how reckless and wild the guild is. Yeah. Which we see them try to crack down on the guild in the anime as well. It's just in a, it's just spaced differently. Yeah. We'll just see it later on. The only real important difference is Happy's design at this point. Um, you know what he looks like in the anime. Um... You've seen little glimpses of him in the manga. Do you, mm-hmm. have, a, do you have a preference? Um, the anime looks less terrifying. He is borderline a stick figure in the book. Yeah, there's like, just something like unsettling about his proportions. Yeah, I yeah, I, I'm the same. It's a little grosser, honestly. <laughs> All right, and we'll get to some more differences uh, in episode two. All right, so the first difference, difference right away is now we get the cancel and the gang arriving at the guild hall. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, it's just slightly moved. Yeah. From there we get the medieval shindig kind of music, and it feels... Is it... Could you, is it how do you describe it? It's a German beer hall. It, yeah, it feels like a, a happier version of the bar from Beauty and the Beast or something. Yeah, it's, it's just a very loud German beer hall. It's a little piratey. It's got a dash of pirate. Yeah. Alright, from... So Natsu pretty much... Once they walk in, he pretty much immediately fights some guy. Mm-hmm. And Lucy watches the entire beer hall erupt in there, just a big bar fight. Um, and this is how we're introduced to some of the characters during this fight. Um, a man in his boxer shorts named Grey Fullbuster. Again, amazing surnames in this show. Uh, he's voiced by a man named Newton Pittman. Um, he's... Um, they don't really touch on him much in this volume at all. He's just one of the dudes in the hall, which is very weird because he does become like your third wheel protagonist in this. Yeah. Um, Kaya, do you want to discuss this man at all before I move on? Any basics? Um, I'm not really because I don't want to give spoilers because he's good. I know you like you could elite, you could say he's an ice wizard and <laughs> leave it at that. I'm not asking for heaps here. I don't want you to spoil it much, but he's an ice wizard. He a good boy. Yeah, we like him. He's 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 great. I hope you give me more because I'm going to ask you pretty much the same thing. One, two, like four more. Oh, okay. I was. I'm look. I'm not sure how much you want me to like advertise him, pitch him to the listeners. Tell us why Gray is like one. He's, he's one of your favorites. Put it there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's... Great. So Natsu is like I know he's the lead character, but he is not the. The like... group is a lead character. Like it's not just him and sidekicks. No, it's not. But what I'm trying to say is Natsu is not the like hot boy. Mm-hmm. Gray is the hot boy. The one who's always taking Every- off his clothes. Everyone's like, considering he is a nice wizard, he takes a he spends a lot of time with his clothes off. Yeah. But he's like the suave, attractive guy. 
But he's still very immature at points. Like, you can see why he's friends with Natsu. He's level-headed to, like, a point. Yeah. He's the voice of Raisin, but barely. Yeah. Um, and he, like, he likes to think of himself as more, like, a serious person. He's just not always great at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next person to appear in the fight is Kana. Um, a functioning alcoholic voiced by Jamie Marchi. Most people know her because of her Junker stuff, which is literally all of TikTok at this point. Um, she's uh, also Panty Anarchy, who is a uh, favourite of mine. She went through character development right at the end there. Yeah, like the last 30 seconds. Hey. Um, Kai, would you like to elaborate on Kana at all? Kana is great. She is what you would imagine as like a big sister, but not well. She's just a big sister who is drunk. As you said, she's like a functioning alcoholic. She's literally like tapping kegs and shit. She just drinks an entire keg. She wears shorts and a bikini top. Yep. Um, she uses like card-based magic like Lucy is with keys. She's with cards pretty much. To pretty it. much. Yeah. She doesn't like summon shit like, like Yu-Gi-Oh, but she does spells out of them. Yeah. She doesn't have like celestial people. But I mean, later on her drinking is explained. She's not just drinking for no reason. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But it takes it takes a long time to work out like what her story is, but she does get one. Yeah. Um, Which is like a thing that I like about this. Like everyone is rounded out enough that they will get their story told. Yeah. And I think that's like a credit to the show because there are so many members of the guild that they could just ignore most of them. And I, I, I will say, they do they do it to a good balance. I, I know I know what you mean everyone gets their time in the sun, but it's not way too much either. It's not Simpsons in. No, it's a, like Clarence did it really well when we covered that. You, you, just enough for you to be like, oh, it's that fellow. Yeah, and you recognize them and as a, a person, not just a background character. Like, there's a lot of shows, particularly with anime that it's easy to get certain characters confused for other characters if you're not, like, really paying attention. Whereas fairy tales, it works so hard to build each character that... They're fleshed. They're fleshed out. Yeah, you can... you Like, when you see them, you're like, oh, that's Kana. Oh, that one's Urza. Oh, that one's... You know, you know a basic about them that... They are an actual character. They're not just a filler person. All right, I'm going to throw a manga trivia your way. And just, I just want to gauge a reaction here. Kana's drinking got slightly worse when Macau started to get back with his ex-wife. Because they were buddies. How do you feel about maybe Kana having a crush on Macau? Resident Dilf, because he has a child. <laughs> and that's all it takes. I read that, I was like, I wonder how Kara will feel about that. I'm going to move on because you're not going to give me any words. Next, well, I don't know. <laughs> next is Alfman. I feel like Connor is young and he is not. Yeah, that made me immediately go, maybe she's older than I think she is. Yeah. Right. I was like, I don't know if that's legal. I don't know, it's tough. Alfman is our next one. Yeah. The butchiest man in anything ever made. Crying is manly. Everything he does has to be strictly by the books manly, and he will let you know how it is. I know I know, he's like he's like a one-note character, but again, fleshed out well, enough that you're like, 
I'll tolerate your buffoonery, sir. Drinking soda is manly. You can tell that this is manly. No, no, he, I think it. he would yell because it's not beer. And it, and it has to be in a big... No, big, because big if, he wants, beer. if he wants to do it, then it's manly. All right, if he wants soda, it's fine. Crying is manly. Yeah. Real men are in touch with their emotions. Yeah, um, to really add the butchy manness into it, he is voiced by Christopher Sabat. Um, again, I don't want to just read people's IMDb resumes because they're dub artists, so they're in fucking everything. But this guy is the big butchy man in Ghost in the Shell, Batu. Mm-hmm. He is uh, Shell, Vegeta, Yamcha, and Piccolo in the Dragon Ball dubs. Mm-hmm. And he's also Garter Belt. <laughs> Who is not big or manly? He's, he's a man that is not a full-grown adult in that show. And that is the one. Yeah. He is the manliest man by default. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Um, do you have any things about him? What he do and stuff? He comes from a family of, like, transforming magic people. Yeah. He does, like, a big beast. Sometimes um, has, like, an arm made he, out of stone. He can... He seems to be the one that can transform, like, different parts of his body into anything he wants. Hmm. His younger sister transforms, like... She's more animalistic. Hers aren't, like, big battle orc things. It's like a mermaid for swimming. It's like a... What are those bird things? A harpy? Yeah. For flapping around. But she's always very, like, um, humanoid in her transformation. Yeah, I'd, I'd say hers are more practical than his one. And then Mira, who I'm not sure whether we're going to introduce. Yep. We already have kind of touched No, no, we're going. Okay. Um, she doesn't transform like the other two. She she's more like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you like Elfman? Yeah, Elfman's good. I I'm, just, I just The video like, game has me dreading his eventual haircut. But that's the thing, like, <laughs> he's set up to be, like, this joke of a character, because as I keep pointing out, it's manly, but... I swear to God, manly is in every single sentence that comes out of him, unless he's, like, crying over a very big loss, you know, like... He's... Not because that's manly. But, yeah. But, like, it's, it's, manly done, after the fact. it's done to such a point where... It's a wholesome move. It is really, like, you enjoy... It, and it's never, like, when he's like, oh, this is okay because it's manly, it's not masculine stuff. Yeah, it's normally like, just, like, whatever he's doing at the time. Yeah. He, he just likes to exclaim that he is a man. All right, here is the contender for Kaya's um, uh, whap against Grey. I don't know how else to say it. I hate... No. All right, all right. If you aren't thirsty for Grey, you are thirsty for Loki. Look, he was just really nice in his interactions with Don't Lucy. Don't edit out your hesitation there, because we all felt it. Um, it's it's Loki spelled with an E, which I find... Her, that hurts. That hurts my soul. I hate that. It is Loki. Yeah, it's Locke. It's Locke, but spelled wrong. He is voiced by Eric Vale. Um, Kaya, would you like to go into this character? As much or as little as you see fit, given his entire personality becomes a spoiler, like... Let's say, like, five more of these books from now. So it probably doesn't matter too much. Feel free. Um, he's... He's, he he's looks the like womanizer the, He looks of, like the red-headed green jacket-wearing kid from Digimon. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's the womanizer of fairy tale. He always got a bitch, man. Multiple. There's, like, two or three at all times. I mean, he uses, like, ring charm magic, similar to... 
the other No, he pervert, doesn't. He does. He uses charms no, he's until lovely. later. No, he's lovely. Kaya, later on it's revealed why he can't use his normal magic, so he uses charms. Because he's lovely. I'm not saying he's using roofy charms, he's I'm very, just saying he uses charms. You don't think he's very be so defensive. And he's very caring. And he and Lucy get along real well. Yeah, he saved her from those definite rapists that one time. You know, for a f- <laughs> It tries to play it off a little more G-rated than it is, but it does not take a lot of thought to go, yeah, this is pretty, like, adult themes here and there. Especially for for the sake of the podcast, I will go into for a while there. It's time slot change to a slightly more kid friendly. Yeah. You remember hating this at the start of every episode? It was a huge close up of Natsu's face, warning you to like not sit too close to the TV in case like epileptic seizure children would see it. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a weird balance between kind of. Played for kids and for laughs, but also, like, it's very fucked up a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you like Loki? Yeah. Who do you like better, Loki or Grey? Um. <sighs> Look, I like Grey, mm-hmm. but I also like Loki. What a decision that has been made. Alright, Mira Jane is next on the list of brief cameos here. Voiced by Monica R- uh, Ryle? I'm going to say Ryle. It's like Dial with an R. Okay. Who I will say has voiced not one, but two delightfully offensive purple haired girls. It's a weird specific genre she finds herself in. Maybe she just likes purple hair. Yep, she does stocking from Penny Stocking and Gardevoir. Yeah. And she also does Momoko from the infamous Ghost Stories dub. Take the time to uh, YouTube or Google Ghost Stories English dub. Even if you don't like anime, it's worth it. Kai, you want to go into that real quick before we, before I continue with Mira Jane? Side note. Yeah, a little was, bit of an anime side note. It was, um, I might get this very wrong, but it was overdubbed by people who didn't actually watch the episode. Well, they bought the show. Well, I don't know how copywriting and distribution works, but so, they bought the show and they were like, this is, this is shit. So they decided to amuse themselves with it. Which, okay, so it's a very common thing for a Western company to buy Japanese footage. Mm. Power Rangers being one of the most successful looks into that. Pretty much anything you've seen dubbed has been, you know, bought from another company. Like Funimation does it, Crunchyroll does it, Anime Lab does it. Four Kids used to do it before they just got laughed off of the stage well, forever because of so the things they four do. Ki- four Kids is probably one of the ones most people knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference with Power Rangers is when they bought the rights to that show, they changed like the whole layout of episodes and the storylines. They and pretty everything. much recycled fight scenes. Whereas other shows like redubbed what was there. Mm-hmm. So. Ghost Stories, they bought the show, decided it was boring as crap, but the animation had some really interesting tweaks to it. Because it was also cheaply animated as well as cheaply written, so they were like, alright, bring it. Yeah, (laughs) so the whole show is dubbed with just, like, improv. Evil intent, I would say, it's dubbed with. (laughs) Well, yeah, pretty much. Racism, homophobia... A third example of something that would offend a lot of people. Bestiality. Yeah. 
Because of the rabbit episode? <laughs> no, that didn't become bestiality. That was the twist. You thought it was going to go that way, but it was racist. Anyway. Yeah, just take the time, guys. It's really funny. It's right. an interesting look. So Mira Jane is like the centerfold chick of fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Like she's the sort of the spokesperson and the eye candy and all sorts of things. She's the most ladylike of the fairy tale group. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, when you put Mary Jane next to Connor, Mary Jane is the more ladylike of <laughs> Yeah, that's your two examples. Um, do you want to go into Mary Jane at all? Or you just it's Alfman's sister, the one who has the Jekyll and Hyde demon form. But you As don't Elfman's really ever see older that. Sister, she doesn't pull it out unless she has to, and I think it's possibly because the master has asked her not to. And she's also, like, more of just, like, hanging around the guild, taking care of shit. Yeah, she, she's, she's like... more of a manager. I, I would say she's, like, second in command. Mm. Because she, like, runs the bar, she looks after everybody. Takes care she's of the in guild, charge of um, the... The request board. Request board. Um, she is an S-class, but, like we said, she doesn't really go She's almost, on. like, retired-esque. Yeah. She's like, I've done some cool shit, I'm just going to kick it. I don't question if it's because, like, when she crosses over into her demonic form, she has a hard time coming back out. I think it's because of what happens to the sister, and I also think that's... Lasagna! And I also think that's why Elfman is, like, super... Manly. Yeah, I want to be manly and not feel things, because I had a really traumatic experience, so I'm just going to not think about it anymore. Damn it, Lasagna! You ruined your family. Lasagna. Yeah, we probably are really ruined right. <laughs> And at this point in the bar brawl, um, it's it's a way, it's a good spot for me to talk about manga and anime discrepancies. So firstly in the anime, Lucy's standing to the side out of harm's way and Mira Jane set, like, says the chaos is fine until Alfman lands on her. You know, in the big bath, right? Mm-hmm. Then Grey gets his boxes stolen and asks Lucy for her underwear. Yes, it's a fan service gag, but it's somehow very plutonic in its delivery. You know, because well, Grey is a very polite man. She's like, are you using yours? And she's like, am I using my underwear? Technically, she was. Like, you have clothes over the top of it, which I'm very handy. Exactly. It's like, it's like if a girl was He's not asking because it's hot to him. He's like, can you give me like something to cover my ass? No, but it's like if a girl was like, um, I'm a bit cold. Can I borrow your coat? Yeah, that's how he's he's treating it. He's like, um, I'm a bit naked. Could I borrow some clothes that you're not currently needing the use of? She put a skirt on. She doesn't need her underwear too. So manga differences. A. Lucy in the manga is cowering in fear under a table when Mira Jane finds her. I mean, I would be slightly concerned. Yep, yep. Okay, um, B. Mira Jane, instead of being hit with Elfman, is fucking bottled. She's <laughs> hit with a big glass, like Jack Daniels bottle, and is bleeding quite severely from the hairline. She oh. doesn't seem to mind, though. Oh, she's so happy! <laughs> she's so happy! She's so happy with chunks of blood running down her face. It's not necessarily a gory book, but it, like, plays that bar out as a, not a fucking good place to be ever. No. She goes down there, like, more than, like, the actual fight story arcs. All right, and number C. The, the reason I placed my hand the way I did. Number Num- C. Number C. Shut up. <laughs> I, I heard it too. God damn it. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. And then I saw your entire face change as your brain went, what did I just say? 
Alright, so C is uh, Grey's full naked ass in front of a very off-model surprised face Lucy. I mean, we see the ass. She does not. She sees other things. <laughs> Alright, so those are the three examples uh, of how the series is lightly toned down for the animated version. Um, despite this, it, the show never feels caged up, does it? <laughs> like, they throw a few bastards and a shit around here and there for good measure, and it all, it all still feels okay. Yeah. It never feels... I've I've taken the gay character out of Sailor Moon. It never fucking hits that Look, sort of level. I... It's a show that I would be fine showing to anyone of any age. But you don't feel like, you know, some of those shows you feel like when you're watching it, it was supposed to be written for like... You can taste it being dumbed down. Yeah. Whereas that's not the version you've got. Whereas this you can't tell. And I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that it is... I would almost class it as a comedy. Yeah. It's got enough goof tales to it, yeah. Because it's most of the time the only reason that they manage to get through like the majority of the challenge or anything like that is because one of them fucks up. Yeah. Um the only other main difference in the first volume is that Grey also smokes in the manga. And I'm glad they removed it completely to just avoid dealing with it in the anime instead of having the lollipop photoshopped in one piece style. Yeah. Um Yep, so chaos worsens. Lucy uses a small cat named Happy as a human shield. Well, a cat shield. Yep, and then we meet one last character, a hulking shadowy beast. This big monster like stomps into the room, voiced by R. Bruce Elliot. Um, its presence alone stops the fighting before it shrinks down into a tiny little old man named Markarov the Guild Master. Kyle, do you want to give one more? Makarov is adorable. He's just a little man. And he's, he, he's a slightly more pervy in the manga, but he's, only towards Lucy, honestly. He is pretty pervy in the anime. It's only slightly more in the manga. He he is slightly pervy in the anime. Mm. And it's not just to Lucy. It's any of the well, well, it's more equality, then. <laughs> it, it's literally... It's directed at all people. Oh, yeah. Um... He's, he's just a little tiny grandpa. Uh, uh, he doesn't a... even come up to, like, waist high on no, most No, people. he's a little gnome man. He is a little gnome man. And usually he's wearing, like, funky outfits. Yeah. I particularly think of his, like, little orange striped jumpsuit. That's what he wears in the first, de- in the first appearance. In, it's got, like, a little jester hat on it. Yeah. Where is he? What a good boy. He's a little cute boy. I fucking love that image of Lucy. He's freaking terrifying as crap. Yeah, when you piss him off, and he, he's very protective of his children, as he calls his, you know, guild people. Which I feel that. Because they're all, like, pretty young upstarty guys, and he's, like, two generations on. Yeah. But, like, when you spend so much time with people... I Look, as a teacher, I completely understand calling, like, a bunch of misfits your children. Because when you spend you so have much a time... You baby named Misfit for all those listening at home. When you spend so much time around, like, being a mentor figure, mm-hmm. which is what he is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got to do, like, that little bit of discipline, but you've also got to do that, like, build-up talk as well. You do... They're your kids. You hate to see anything happen to them. Yep. And unless you maybe planned it. And some things are maybe happening to him right now. Not to, 
he, he when he appears, he like shrinks back down to normal size, introduces himself to Lucy. But he's also got like a big stack of papers under his arm, mm-hmm. like a like a fucking phone book. Yeah, uh, they're complaints from the council regarding damages and general buffoonery taking place under Fairy Tales uh, actions. He promptly like burns it all, and he well, does he this. Knows. And he does this big motivational speech about how if they focused on all the rules and regulations and bullshit, they would be as bland and ineffective as all the other guilds. Yeah. I've coined a phrase right here in my notes that I think suits him well, and he's very art before smart. <laughs> Don't fucking say it, man. I was trying to think of a way to say that he's like, he's more about getting the job done than doing it well. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, though? Stop doing this. I mean, I That's know what you mean. So, my next bit, Kyle is the magical stamp in my questions. So Lucy gets her guild mark. You know, like um, Natsu had his reveal in the last yeah. episode. She has a big pink one on her hand. Now, how do you think that it works? Because it's literally a stamp, but it's like a magical fancy stamp or whatever. Well, it's very confusing because it's a stamp. It's not a tattoo. But it's forever. But it also links... It lasts forever, but it also links them to the magic tree. Do you think it, like, washes off and they have to, like, redo it every once in a while? Like a fake tattoo? No, because they never fade. So, I don't know. So, I'm asking you. I'm asking you this, the science. No. All right, where would you put yours, then? Ooh. It has to be pretty big, too. I've never seen a small guild tattoo in this series yet. Frantically Googling your own body parts. What are you doing? Where would you put it? I feel like they kind of have to be visible. Nah. 50% of them are that visible. Lucy's is on her hand. Hers is visible. Not Mira too. Gray's is because it's on his kid. Their... He's always shirtless. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, the girls mostly have it on like their upper thigh. Alphman's got his on his neck. Happy's is on his back. Yeah, you never see his, like, ever. It's, it's, it's behind his backpack. backpack. Yeah. There's a lot of characters you don't see it on. I suppose. It's just none of the main ones. Okay. Mm, I don't know. Maybe my butt cheek. <laughs> Great. Well, then I would Left or right? It. Right. Yeah. That's okay, though. Because, You're right or... Because if it's on the left, it's on the Crypso. Okay, so I'm really sad that you didn't just pick up on my reference then. No time for your nonsense. Fuck you. Well, this little bit of everyday life at the guild plays out. We meet uh, Romeo next, voiced by Kayla Carlisle in this season. He changes bit later. He is a little boy who is panicking about his father, who we mentioned earlier, Macau Conbolt. It's like, try that again. No, it's like cold. It's like cold boat, but spelled wrong. It's, it's a weird one to look at. Okay. All right. Um, that guy's voiced by Brian Mathis. Um, he was supposed to be on a guild assignment for like three, about three days, but it's been over a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kid leaves in a bit of a tiff shortly after being like, "Where's my dad?" And they're like, "He's doing a thing." Yeah, you know, and Natsu also leaves in a tiff shortly after. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And this is our episode's adventure, and that is to go find Macau. Um, 
When Lucy finds out about how Natsu's father disappeared at the same age as Romeo, dragon or not, um, he's very sensitive about the boy missing his dad. Look, if he something... can relate to it. Yeah. Um, and when Lucy finds out, she decides to come help him too, uh, and quickly regrets it when she, when they go to the frozen tundra of a mountain. Um, Kyle, this, this is where the ad break would be. Oh. Yeah. I know, that's your favourite, so I make sure to write it down. Um, I like when she's like, it's cold as fuck, and he's like, you dress trampish. <laughs> of course you're cold. Yeah. Um, uh, when we come back from the ad break, we meet one of Lucy's other celestials. Uh, a shit one to pronounce. Horologium. <laughs> Horologium. Yep. He's a grandfather clock, and she is living inside him to get out of the cold. And this is not the first time this happens. It is the first time it happens. It's just a common occurrence. Oh, I meant this is this is not the only time that happens. Yep. And I like the way he, like, responds, because no one can hear her talking in the clock. Yes. And the clock will just be like, he'll say whatever she said, and then, like, she responds. The way that yeah. he says it. He says it like a book. It's great. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Because he'll be like, she barked at you. Well, inside, the gang are attacked by a Vulcan. Unlike Spock, these Vulcans are big apes with pointy heads. Uh, It decides to steal the quote-unquote pretty female human. Um, In his cave, this Vulcan cave, um, the clock disappears for Lucy because they can't stay in the human world for too long. Um, but she's promptly almost saved once again by Natsu, who charges in, slips over on the ice, and is then tricked by the ape monster into falling off a cliff. Yeah. Can you not go away? Why are you so mean to him? He does want to be a queen. <laughs> be my friend, Daddy. <laughs> So this really a fat ass cat on my notes. And in your nose. Mm-hmm. All over the thing. So <coughs> after Natsu goes over the cliff, Lucy resorts to using another one of her keys. Mm-hmm. Taurus. You, you like that one? Kaya, would you like to describe Taurus, the fancy cat? Um he has a bull. Mm-hmm. A big bull. I don't like and all of his nipples. Teeny tiny well, they're not whiteies, but they are some very small ones. <laughs> Alright, for all those playing at home, he is dressed in the same quote-unquote outfit that a Marchamp wears. Yeah. Um, By which I mean a belt and black speedos. He has a very, very large... He has a big fancy axe. Axe. And he's also... Uh, horny and he man. is extremely horny for Lucy. Is that a, like a bullhorn joke, you reckon? Maybe. But he it, he takes it to a level of disturb yeah, that just, I'm really not about. He likes at all. he likes her tits quite a bit. That's that's probably the most like fan servicey character. Yeah, and we all hate him for it. Yeah, I, I don't like him. So, Every time he comes out, I'm like, oh. So she's like, he's like, what's going on, fucking babe? And she's like, that fucking big old monkey over there's trying to keep me as a pet, and he's like, what the fuck? That's my heart. So these two perv creatures fight briefly, but then Natsu returns. He charges back in and kicks the cow in the head instead. He's like, hang on, there's two monsters now. 
Well, he was gone. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know. Um, Lucy gets mad at him and then questions how riding, um, having, you know, riding with Happy is fine for him, but all vehicles make him sick. I mean, it's a question that I have too. But he then gets very offended, saying, like, Happy is not a mode of transportation. Happy is my friend. Again, kind of makes sense, but kind of not really. Yep. Um, this whole bit represents the show pretty well. Like, it's got these goofy idiots having dumb conversations, but then you got big magical fights, but also inspirational talks of brotherhood and friendship. Because as Natsu continues to beat up the big Yeti thing, he does this big speech about how he won't leave without Macau because the guild is his family. And if Fast and Furious has told me anything, is that you don't give up on family. Yeah. And the street always wins a street fight. Yeah. Listen to our previous episode. <laughs> Um, so the Vulcan picks up Taurus's big axe and swings it down at Natsu. Um, and I love the way he catches it and then in the struggle, like, starts to melt it with his hands. Yeah. Well, he uses a fire dragon. Yeah, and he's catching, like, the molten steel that drips off and spitting it back at the Vulcan. Like a gun. Like a little gun man. Why not? Yep. Um, he then knocks it out with his big firing punch, to which Lucy points out, um, we still have to question it. Yeah, like, you, you knocked it out. <laughs> you, beat it, you beat it into nothingness. Luckily for them, though, it transforms back. You see, these Vulcans are body snatchers. They turn people into more of them. So when they pummeled it, the Vulcan spell broke off and Marco, um, Macau remains. Yeah. Um, he's upset with himself, you know, like he's a big failure. He fucked up his quest. He turned into a monster instead of, you know, punching a bunch of monsters. You know, and he was like, there was like 20 of them, they ambushed me, and I got through 19 of them. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, well, and he's already ashamed enough, because like, his child's getting picked on, because his dad is in like, that fucking drunk, stinky guild of all the screamy idiots. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not even like, a good one. <laughs> um, but, as Nato points out. It is cute. He got through like, 19 of them. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Focus on the positive. Yeah, here. so we jump home to Romeo, who's been picked on by these older kids, saying his dad. They're butt wipes. Yeah, they're all stinky drunk hooligans. And in the bully's defense, kind of a good. Yeah, they're right. It is just, they're all just drunk hooligans screaming and punching one another and breaking things. Defer to wizards. I know, but they're, they're also the soccer hooligans from Eurotrip to an extent, are they not? Defer to wizards. Yep. Um, and this is when Natsu brings his dad home, bragging about how Mikau single-handedly brought down nine of these big-ass Yeti monsters, leaving out the last one, of course. It's cute. You know, it, it inspires Romeo to join later on, even. Because that's, like, his origin story, but it's a setup. You don't see it for, like, ages. Yeah, five seasons. Yeah. Um, it ins- and it also inspires Lucy to stick to her guns and roll with these headstrong adventure-addicted morons. Which is also kind of cute. Um, I like these ragtag guys. Um, because, you know, I can't relate to disciplined people. Hmm. Ever. Hmm. <laughs> Alright, so... it's quite accurate. Look, these are two very short stories as far as the show goes. Most seasons feature, like, big huge story arcs like all Shonen do. But personally, I do like the little adventures like these because... I think, for one, I'm used to episodic things, because, you know, we watch a lot of Western cartoons, and we watch a lot of slice-of-life animes, which are always episodic. Um, um, Kai, how do you feel about the show, as far as an introduction and that follow-up go? Wait, wait, how do you feel? How does it stand? It gives you everything you need 
to move forward. But also, for, like, it gives without... you fuck all compared to, like, what you, you know, as you go. Yeah. You have a good starting point, but it is minuscule by the time you're done. Yeah. Like, we do, like, we've barely seen Grey. Urza ain't here yet. She's a big part of this. I know, like, th- there's so much not here yet. Yeah. Um, like I said last week, it's the future armor format. You get your, you get your fancy pilot to get you in, and then it's like a bunch of explanation about the guild, how it works, and the people inside. Yeah, but still, without giving you without being all boring. of that. Yeah, and still not giving you that much. Like it's one of those things where you think you know everything, and then like you, an, you another don't. fifty episodes yeah. later, they're like, "However, did you know this thing too?" And you're like. Oh, that explains all of that other stuff. Yeah. And then another, like, 50 episodes later, you're like, oh, hang on. Okay, radio. Like, it gives you what you think is an entire introduction until you realize it's not. Yeah. It's just, like, it's peeled back one layer. And it just keeps, like, peeling back that little bit more, a little bit more until you get to the core of the show. Um... Did you have any other thoughts about the show? Mm, I have a question. Okay, go. So, while watching the show, mm-hmm. I noticed... It took us a while to notice in There are some little jelly bean creatures. There's fucking critters, everybody. There's critters. They're, called, they're either called Easter eggs or creatures. Like, they're the vaguest shit I've ever seen or tried to Google. Explain to me the critters. So, in every single episode... Which we didn't know. We got pretty far. We got pretty far, and then we were like, oh, look, they happen every, like, five episodes or so. And then and you, you finally it, tried to like, Google oh, it, and it was shit. like, no, it happens all the time. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think we didn't realise until, like, the big bad of season one, which is, like, 50 episodes in. Yeah. I'm just going to write down a, th- a thing, because I didn't take notes for this bit. Um, so, much like, do you remember the aliens originally appeared in every episode of South Park until they forgot to keep doing it? Well, they did. Kenny always died, and there was always an alien somewhere in South Park. You bastard, you killed Kenny. I'm, I'm so glad you sat there and did a terrible impression that misquoted it. Thank you. But I'm going to continue anyway. Look, considering the fact that I don't watch South Park, mm-hmm. did pretty good. You didn't. <laughs> we will move on. All right, so every episode had like a weird squiggle of a creature in the background. Yeah. Now this brings me back to the comparisons with the manga. Because the first episode's one, in almost the exact same, I can't say timestamp or panel here, but in the same moment, um, the critters are there. They're the, and they're, it's always the same few. Like, the, there's not that many versions for every episode. This is the, the, the jellyfish couple. Bing. No, they're there. They're in episode one during the, when they go to the cafe, which uh, last week we mentioned. Alright, and they're in almost the exact same spot in the episode. And when I was reading it, I was like, there's those fucking things, because I, I watched it before I read it. Yay. So then it became, are they in every chapter as well? Oh. And I've run into a phenomenon I've run into a few times now called the silent internet. I know you've never really had this drama, because I did ask. Mm. Where you think you're at the cusp of something... Or you're trying to figure some shit out. 
and you Google it, and apparently you're the further only person ahead than everyone already. Yeah. So if you are, if you start Googling these little Easter egg characters, you can find like really good compilations of every appearance to the timestamp mm. in the anime. Not a single thing about the manga. Not a one. Hmm. Which again makes me think, oh no, even like Japanese media have people who never read the source material books. I'm DCing again. I'm, God I'm damn just it. wondering where it was coming. Well, it's part of it. So I had to frantically go through chapter two for literal ages. It's not in the same spot this time. Because I was like, oh, maybe they're around the same bit every time because they are in the first one. And that's, yeah. then there's no information, but they're not. So instead of appearing near the big monster Markarov, there is a little tiny one over here on the shoulder. Look at that one. Oh, he's just a little boopy. He's a little fella. It almost looks a little bit like Blue. Yeah. So, there's a little man in every chapter, and I hate it. <laughs> because, alright, so in the original Harley Quinn comic run, in the year 2000, every issue for the first, like, year, like, the first, like, creative team was on it, their, their stuff, mm-hmm. there was always a Batman somewhere in the book keeping an eye on the situation, ready to step in if shit goes out of hand. I mean, he never does. Yeah. But there is always a Batman in every issue, and there is nothing about it on the internet, nothing about it in the trades. The only time you ever, like, hear a confirmation about it was in the original issues, like, do you remember Letters to the Editor? That shit that don't happen no more? It's brought up in that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And that's all gone. That's silent internet. Yeah, and I hate it. I run into it like, a lot. Yeah. yeah. But you're very, like... I like to investigate these things. I get caught up on details. When I'm watching stuff and I'm like, oh, this is fun. And you're like, how can you enjoy this? That same person voices these four other people. And I'm like, which I mentioned last week. Because I didn't pick up on it. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like trivia. But it also is my detriment sometimes. It makes it very difficult to watch a film with you because we'll be sitting there watching a movie. You will quote... The start of Scooby-Doo to the finale of Scooby-Doo. But at least I... Out of habit. You can't stop yourself. But at least I quoted exactly in time with every character. Mm. If I said it slightly behind or slightly in front, it would be annoying. So for all the listeners at home, A, neither (laughs) of us are good to be around. (laughs) Wait! I'll be getting mad you, about casting no, and no, things I recognize and trivia me. in the background. And that one dude in the red sweater you see push the Christmas tree over in Gremlins that you can't fucking not notice ever again now. Excuse me. And then me. you've got Kyra quoting the entire Disney catalog e- and Scooby-Doo. Excuse me. I'm a horrible person to watch Scooby-Doo with. Yeah. You're a That's horrible an person thing to Scooby-Doo. watch any movie with because all you do is sit there on IMDb. And then point out all of the errors or, like, interesting facts in the film. As long as my mind is full of trivia, I don't have to think about anything else in there. Demons, man. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen. No, not on that note. Um, you sh- yeah, you should email us at the school for our nerds and tell us if you've ever ran into silent internet. Blech. Because 
again, it's a phrase I made up, but someone has to relate to it. It's happened to me a lot. Do you remember when the bug gets squished in their music video and the guy who animated its name is in the splatter, but you can only like half see it on the shitty Apple version of the music video and no one apparently has ever fucking brought it up online? Have you really never dealt with this? Maybe I need to take you to get seen too. No. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm watching my This school is going to the asylum. Not Arkham. Um, alright, so homework. Yeah. Uh, what magic would you study? I mean, it's it's an obvious question, but it's a good enough one. Um, I want to study, um... Please take your time, I gotta Google a character. Okay, because I think I might have to Google one too. Who's the blue head chick? Oh fuck, we're doing the same answer. Oh no! Oh no. Not Juvia. Juvia! Oh damn it, no. (laughs) I have ruined his phone, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it auto-corrects Juvia to all capitals Juvia! So thanks for that. Can't find her. I'm going to say blue. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my search. Levy. Levy. I want to be Levy. Levy McGarden. A terrible surname. Oh, fuck. So for all those playing at home. I want to be Levy. Yeah, Levy's got good magic. Because I don't want to be the tongue guy. Oh, yeah. I don't know how he talks. Yeah, I don't know how he talks either. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) There's, There's a guy who he has little tiki drums that are his babies and he can attack people with them. But he talks with his entire tongue out of his mouth. Because that's but where his clearly, stamp is. But clearly, he can speak clearly with his entire tongue out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense. Um, Sorry. She's voiced by Christy Kane. Back to um, level she, your garden. And she does... She, like, writes shit in the air. And whatever she writes is what it is. Like, if she writes wood, it'll be made out of two by fours. Yeah. Which would be a handy magic to get a discipline in, because you've got me taking a solid gold G for gold to a pawn shop, and then taking a solid gold O to cash converters, <laughs> and so on, until I buy a cow. You could just write cow. No. <laughs> that would be disgusting, a disformed cow that's shaped like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she can also read, like, like any language, magical or otherwise. Yeah, she's very smart. She's a linguist. Um, her friends really like her. She, yeah, she's got little simps hanging around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would be a cool magic. She's got very useful magic because it does what it says. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could just write stuff down. But um, as much as I hate that dude who looked like an ice Pokemon trainer, whose name I'm all, I'm not even going to Google this guy, but he was. His magic was pretty much like, if he narrates something, it happens. Yeah. He didn't really abuse it as much as he could. Because I could I could have some shenanigans with that. He, he's a bad guy, though. I'd be all like, the cat got off the bench. <laughs> and then it would happen. Yeah. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I wish I was special. <laughs> the jug boiled and made me a cup of coffee. <laughs> See, that would be a good, that'd be a sick magic to have. Well, you have that one, right. and I'll have the other one. All right, you got yourself a deal, fella. Okay, good. All right, that is. We've ended this episode with a peaceful resolution. Um, I've been your host. Uh, have we gone long enough? Are we good? Should check. One, two. 
All right, look at me. Let's go. We did an episode and a half of a 20-minute cartoon. <laughs> we're getting worse, ladies and gentlemen, but we're also getting on Spotify and Pandora and a bunch of other things. So if it's more convenient for you to find us somewhere else, you can do so at this point. Just don't find me at my house. Yeah. I will be asleep. Great. Uh, thank you for listening and doing all the things and downloading and supporting and doing all, all that stuff. Follow us on... Don't, don't worry about social media. Just just rate and review the podcast. That's all I'm asking. Send us an email. Yeah, tell us about your silent internet. Because ironically, if I Google that, because it's a phrase I made up, I get silent interneted. Oh, no. Right, um, this is serious. Yeah, um, bye. Bye now. Don't drink butterscotch soda. Shit. Class dismissed. I'm recording. It's gonna hurt my throat. I better not put that on the table. (laughs) Well, ladies and fuchsia boys, welcome to the school for wayward nerds. The only podcast that regretted a butterscotch soda this much. <laughs> I'm your host, Harry Devola. I can smell that from here. It's, it's it's not great. I'm joined by my co-host, producer Kyle. Hi. If you tuned in last week, you heard us begin to talk about fairy tale. We begun so hard we did half an episode. Yeah, boy. Uh, we're just going to jump straight back into it? Yep. Yeah. Great. Do you remember where we were? Yep. We were about to go to the party boat? Yeah. I was going to say we're above the line that you drew in the episode, but yeah, sure. Yeah, look, there's a, I did a line, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. See? Mm-hmm. All right, so Lucy is going to tolerate the, the pervy man's buffoonery in order to get into the good guild. Yep. Alright, so it is now the night, the night time where that would have happened, mm-hmm. and we st- uh, start things off with Natsu and Happy up in like the the hills around the little cove town that they're in. Mm-hmm. Happy sees a big ship out in the bay and wonders about that salamander guy and his party, it's like Jerry and that's the boat. And there's these three random girls nearby, and they're talking about it too. And one explains to another how the salamander is a big swinging dick in fairy tale. And that's when Natsu's like, cool. It's one of the first times we see him not uh, sick or being a goof. Yeah. Um. Well, while all that's unfolding, we get... um, it, It's all building up to a good character introduction. That's why... I, I'm savoring it a bit. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. it it's worth watching. Uh, we go and check on Lucy at the aforementioned yacht party. Yeah. The salamander does this cool move of levitating the most orange Fanta-looking champagne I've ever fucking seen. It is orange. Look, you can drink Fanta out of a champagne glass if you want. I guess. Um, but because he's a terrible perf scumbag, um, he chooses the quote... 
Open up wide, Lucy. Savor the taste of every flavorful drop as it enters your mouth. Yeah, her reaction gives me a chance to mention something I enjoy about this show, and you touched on last episode. Um, the off-model emotions that the characters do. Like, lots of manga and anime does it, but I love it here more than usual. Yeah. There's... I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's a smudge more exaggerated than we normally see. Maybe it's just the exact right amount. It's not too much. It's not infrequent. You enjoy it too. Yeah. I like that they even find a way to get it into the video game as well. Yeah, and it suits their characters, you know, that they're not always drawn in one style because they are very multi-dimensional characters. I was going to say they're very chaotic, just as people. (laughs) So I'm being fancy with my word choice. The, uh, the drink I've chosen to wet my whistle with during this recording has made me depressed. <laughs> right, I will continue regardless. She ends up not drinking it, you know, after he says that sick shit, and proclaims to know he is literally using magic as a replacement for spiking her drink right now. I mean, yeah, he's using charms and spells and stuff, but that's exactly what's happening there. At this point, she gets a little worse than maybe one case of date rape. It turns out every man aboard is just a hired goon, and every woman, either knocked out from charmed wine or by force, are being taken away to be sold as slaves. Yay, human trafficking. Yeah. Before Lucy can act her magical keys, which we explained last week, please listen to the last episode if you're coming in now. Um, yep, her magical keys are tossed out into the sea. Leaving Lucy pretty much up shit creek, because that's the only way she can use magic. Yeah, she, that's her one style of magic. She's not like a spellcaster. Because they do explain that a bit. Some people just use items. Some, some are better at using items than others. Yeah. <sighs> um, and this is when it's happened. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Buckle up, you know. Out of the night sky, something falls. It smashes through the ceiling of the cabin. It just splinters and dust and debris scatters. As the dust settles, a fierce pink-haired warrior stands before everyone, then is promptly seasick. Yeah. It's almost a great... Hey, look, it's the man. But, yeah, he he botches it. Lucy is very disappointed in the would-be hero, and Happy flies in after Natsu, and he's like, oh, hey, Lucy, what's going on? He's very casual about the whole ordeal. And she's like, oh, yeah, this asshole promised me fairy tale and wants to traffic me. Everyone else is just, like, stunned in place about this flying cat. So they don't really respond very quick and Happy just sort of picks up Lucy and they just start going back to shore. Yeah, it's fine. I like his delivery. Like, Natsu comes in this big smashing entrance and then he's sick and then everyone's like, holy shit, a flying cat. And he's like, hey, Lucy, what's going on? They've previously met. So. I know, but he never flew before this either. Like, not to her knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. Um, at first, the salamander um, fires a firework of a spell at Lucy and Happy before they can get to some sort of police. Um, they fall from the sky, and he's like, we got to get out of here and sell these bitches. Mm. So they start hightailing out. Um, firstly, Lucy finds her gate keys in the water. Very lucky and convenient there, it's good. Well, I mean, it would make for a pretty crappy TV series if, <laughs> if she lost If it's a whole season one. of her just scuba diving looking for her keys. Yeah. 
So, yeah, she does find her keys relatively Yep, and she summons a Celestial, a Aquarius. Um, Kaya? Oh. Aquarius? She she is a sea siren. Mm-hmm. For those playing at home, that just means she's a fancy mermaid. And she is the most, like, over it woman in existence. She, she hates the fact that she, she has Lucy. a contract with Lucy. She's even a- though she still has a contract with Lucy. She is very mad, and she just wants to brag about her boyfriend. Yeah, she's currently dating Scorpio. Yeah, but they don't even explain that for a while. It's just, oh, I've got a hot boyfriend. I don't have time for your shit woman I'm contracted to help. Yeah. And she tries to drain Lucy, and Lucy's like, hang on a second. You you tried to kill me. She's like, yeah. yeah she's not very nice. Did I not succeed? Dang. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she pretty much tidal waves everything onto the shore, mostly in order to fuck with Lucy, but as a side effect, Natsu can actually walk and talk again now that he's on land. Um, I, I'll, I will wait. <laughs> the soda's trash. Alright, here we go. Alright, so Natsu's pissed that this dude is claiming to be a fairy tale wizard because Natsu has been a member for like a decade and has never seen this guy here once. Um, he pulls off his coat and that's when the goons see his guild emblem mark. And they react like it's a bat symbol. Like, it's a big, like, oh, shit reaction. Well, I mean, if you're impersonating someone and then you found out that that someone was there, you Mm. probably would be pretty, you know. Yeah. So, Happy explains to Lucy that the guy, the salamander guy, is Bora. Some shithead who was kicked, who was kicked out of his own guild for doing vaguely evil shit. Considering human trafficking, I'm not really shocked by that. Mm. But I wonder the scale that led from I was in a what is what is more or less a police force of good guys to I'm selling women for fuck. Mm. Well, <laughs> he never says that. That's what it for. They could be maids. They're all relatively young, attractive women being sold into vague slavery, Kyle. There's some holes getting used. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, that's happening. Um, yep, he is not the salamander, and he is not a fairy tale wizard. Bora, however, is still very dangerous and pretty much rains a big fiery explosion down on young Natsu. Him and his goons, they, they turn to leave. They're like, alright, good, let's skedaddle before, like, people come. Yeah, and then that's when Natsu inhales the fire from around him. And everyone is like, whoa, what the fuck? Except for Happy. 
who proclaims in that, you know, that, that spectator in an anime kind of way that mm-hmm. Brock used to always do in Pokemon. It's like, oh, they're, they're doing this thing because this, this, and this, you know? Yeah. It's always that shit. He got... 50% dragon. of Yu-Gi-Oh! He's got dragon moms. Yep. Fire magic doesn't work on Natsu. The catchphrase comes out, um, now he's got a fire in his belly, which yeah. he does like to say. Um, I do like the, like, even though that's his catchphrase, they make fun of him with it. Because they know he's... Because other people will use it and stuff as well. It's all a relatively realistic take on personalities, so if you know an asshole who is genuinely trying to use a catchphrase, you're gonna hang shit on him. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, and this is when he uses... He he brings it all in, and then he uses a spell he calls Fire Dragon Roar. And it tears the beach to pieces. The goons get pretty sizzled. And then they start to realize... Um, the powerful pink-haired guy with fire magic from Fairy Tale. Um, the the reveal here is that Natsu is the, like, the dragonborn for Skyrim people. He's the dragon slayer. He is the actual salamander. That's, like, the twist reveal. Yeah. Happy tells Lucy about how they were looking for Igneal the dragon because that is his father. Um, of course. Yep. All the while, the theme song is, like, going and Natsu just pummeling this dude up and down the port. Like, it's... It's such a good move to introduce him this way. I really like it. Yeah, and it, you know, we get enough information... <laughs> That, like, but we we've been being spoon-fed. Yeah, we've been spoon-fed information like throughout the whole episode. Yeah, and it all this leads into payoff. a big. Yeah, it's a really good payoff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, spoilers if you haven't watched it, but I did. Uh, I did say you should last episode. That was how we ended this. Mm-hmm. All right, so he wins the fight because duh. But the town's military people—they start assembling to stop the pink-haired fellow, who is essentially Godzilla in the town. Yeah. So he grabs Lucy and they make a run for it. And she's like, why the fuck am I involved now? And he's like, well, you want a fairy tale and that's where I'm going to go hide right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hit the most tropey thing ever in a, you know, a pilot episode of an anime. And that is the main characters on their journey together um, being a freeze frame and then starting to look like a painting before the credits roll. Yeah. How many times have we seen that? The one that comes to mind for me is Akiba's Trip, because I remember that one probably being, like, the first one I paid attention to. Yeah. But I'm certain it, at it least 20 versions of Pokemon do that. Do you have a favorite version of that? Do they ever do one of those in, like, a Disney Channel television series or anything? Um, not that I can think of <laughs> okay. off the top of my head. I'm sure Phineas and Ferb has done it once. I don't know. Maybe. Um, alright. So, we've finished the first episode. And, you know, it's time to continue and finish the first chapter of the manga while we're at it. Because mm-hmm. that was what we were doing. Please listen to the previous episode. Um, the only extra thing that, um, but as far as comparisons between anime and manga go, the only extra things it shows is them arrive at the big building, you know, the, the guild. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has the council return to point out how reckless and wild the guild is. Yeah. Which we see them try to crack down on the guild in the anime as well. It's just in a, it's just spaced differently. Yeah, we'll just see it later on. The only real important difference is Happy's design at this point. Um, you know what he looks like in the anime. Um, you've seen little glimpses of him in the manga. Do you, mm-hmm. have, a, do you have a preference? 
On the anime looks less terrifying. He is borderline a stick figure in the book. Yeah, there's like, just something like unsettling about his proportions. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm the same. It's a little grosser, honestly. <laughs> All right, and we'll get to some more differences uh, in episode two. All right, so the first difference right away is now we get the cancel and the gang arriving at the guild hall. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, it's just slightly moved. Yeah. From there we get the medieval shindig kind of music, and it feels... Is it... Can you, is it how do you describe it? It's a German beer hall. It, yeah, it feels like a, a happier version of the bar from Beauty and the Beast or something. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just a very loud German beer hall. It's a little piratey. It's got a dash of pirate. Yeah. Feel free to edit this bit up. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to clap or something? No. Let me figure out where. Alright, from. So Natsu pretty much. Once they walk in, he pretty much immediately fights some guy. Mm-hmm. And Lucy watches the entire beer hall erupt in there, just a big bar fight. Um, and this is how we're introduced to some of the characters during this fight. Um, a man in his boxer shorts named Grey Fullbuster. Again, amazing surnames in this show. Uh, he's voiced by a man named Newton Pittman. Um, he's... Um, he, they don't really touch on him much in this volume at all. He's just one of the dudes in the hall, which is very weird because he does become like your third wheel protagonist in this. Yeah. Um, Kyle, do you want to discuss this man at all before I move on? Any basics? Um, I'm not really because I don't want to give spoilers because he's good. I know you like you could elite, you could say he's an ice wizard. <laughs> Leave it at that. I'm not asking for heaps here. I don't want you to spoil it much, but he's an ice wizard. He's a good boy. Yeah, we like him. He's 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 great. I hope you give me more fuck all because I'm going to ask you pretty much the same thing. One, two, like four more. Oh, okay. I was. I'm look. I'm not sure how much you want me to like advertise him, pitch him to the listeners. Tell us why Gray is like one. He's, he's one of your favorites. Put it there. Yeah. Great. So Natsu is like I know he's the lead character, but he is not the. The like, group is a lead character. Like it's not just him and sidekicks. No, it's not. But what I'm trying to say is Natsu is not the like hot boy. Mm-mm. Gray is the hot boy. The one who's always taking Ev- off his clothes. Everyone's like, considering he is an ice wizard, he takes a, he spends a lot of time with his clothes off. Yeah. But he's, like, the suave, attractive guy, but he's still very immature at points. Like, you can see why he's friends with Natsu. He's level-headed to, like, a point. Yeah. He's the voice of reason, but barely. Yeah. Um, and he, like, he likes to think of himself as more, like, a serious person. He's just not always great at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next person to appear in the fight is Kana. Um, a functioning alcoholic voiced by Jamie Marchie. Most people know her because of her Junker stuff, which is literally all of TikTok at this point. Um, she's uh, also Panty Anarchy, who is a uh, favourite of mine. 
She went through character development. Right at the end there. <laughs> yeah, like the last 30 seconds. Hey. Yeah. Um, Kai, would you like to elaborate on Kana at all? Well, Kana is great. She is what you would imagine as, like, a big sister, but not well. She's just a big sister who is drunk. As you said, she's like a functioning alcoholic. She's literally like tapping kegs and shit. She just drinks an entire keg. She wears shorts and a bikini top. Yep. Um, she uses like card-based magic like Lucy is with keys. She's with cards pretty much. To pretty it. much. Yeah. She doesn't like summon shit like, like Yu-Gi-Oh, but she does spells out of them. Yeah. She doesn't have like celestial people. But I mean, later on her drinking is explained. She's not just drinking for no reason. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But it takes a it takes again. a long time to work out like oh, yeah. what her story is, but she does get one. Yeah. Um, Which is like a thing that I like about this. Like everyone is rounded out enough that they will get their story told. Yeah. And I think that's like a credit to the show because there are so many members of the guild that they could just ignore most of them. And I, I, I will say, they do they do it to a good balance. I, I know I know what you mean everyone gets their time in the sun, but it's not way too much either. It's not Simpsons in. No, it's a, like Clarence did it really well when we covered that. You, you, just enough for you to be like, oh, it's that fellow. Yeah, and you recognize them and as a, a person, not just a background character. Like, there's a lot of shows, particularly with anime that it's easy to get certain characters confused for other characters if you're not, like, really paying attention. Whereas fairy tales, it works so hard to build each character that... They're fleshed. They're fleshed out. Yeah, you can... you Like, when you see them, you're like, oh, that's Kana. Oh, that one's Urza. Oh, that one's... You know, you know a basic about them that... They are an actual character. They're not just a filler person. All right, I'm going to throw a manga trivia your way. And just, I just want to gauge a reaction here. Kana's drinking got slightly worse when Macau started to get back with his ex-wife. Because they were buddies. How do you feel about maybe Kana having a crush on Macau? Resident Dilf, because he has a child. <laughs> And that's all it takes. Um. Oh. No. <laughs> I read that. I was like, I wonder how Kyra will feel about that. Mm. Alright. I'm gonna move on because you're not gonna give me any words. Next. Well, I don't know. <laughs> next is like, Alfman. I feel like Connor is young and he is not. Yeah, that made me immediately go. Maybe she's older than I think she is. Yeah. That's, right. I was like, I don't know if that's legal. I don't know, it's tight. Alfman is our next one. Yeah, The butchiest man in anything ever made. Crying is manly. Everything he does has to be strictly by the books manly, and he will let you know how it is. I know I know. he's like he's like a one-note character, but again, fleshed out well enough that you're like, I'll tolerate your buffoonery, sir. Drinking soda is manly. You can tell that this is manly. No, no, he, I think it. he would yell because it's not beer. And it, and it has to be in a big No, big, because a big if, mug he wants, of beer. if he wants to do it, then it's manly. All right, if he wants soda, it's fine. Crying is manly. Yeah. 
Real men are in touch with their emotions. Yep. Um, to really add the butchy manness into it, he is voiced by Christopher Sabat. Um, again, I don't want to just read people's IMDb resumes because they're dub artists, so they're in fucking everything. But this guy is the big butchy man in Ghost in the Shell Batu. Mm-hmm. He is uh, Shell, Vegeta, Yamcha, and Piccolo in the Dragon Ball dubs. Mm-hmm. And he's also Garter Belt. <laughs> Who is not big or manly. He's he's a man that is not a full-grown adult in that show. And that is the one. Yeah. He is the manliest man by default. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Um, do you have any things about him? What he do and stuff? He comes from a family of, like, transforming magic people. Yeah. He does, like, a big beast. Sometimes um, has, like, an arm made he, out of stone. He can... He seems to be the one that can transform, like, different parts of his body into anything he wants. Hmm. His younger sister transforms, like... She's more animalistic. Hers aren't, like, big battle orc things. It's like a mermaid for swimming. It's like a... What are those bird things? A harpy? Yeah. For flapping around. But she's always very, like, um, humanoid in her transformation. Yeah, I'd, I'd say hers are more practical than his one. And then Mira... Who, I'm not sure whether we're going to introduce... Yep. We already have kind of touched No, no, we're going. Oh, okay. Um, she doesn't transform like the other two. She She's more like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you like Elfman? Yeah, Elfman's good. I um, just, I just The video like... game has me dreading his eventual haircut. But that's the thing. <laughs> like... He's set up to be like this joke of a character... Because as I keep pointing out, it's manly. But I swear to God, manly is in every single sentence that comes out of him, unless he's like crying over a very big loss. You know, like he's... not because that's manly. But yeah, but like it's, it's manly done. After the fact. It's done to such a point where it's a wholesome move. It is really like you enjoy it, and it's never like when he's like, "Oh, this is okay because it's manly." It's not masculine stuff. Yeah, it's normally like, just, like, whatever he's doing at the time. Yeah. He, he just likes to exclaim that he is a man. All right, here is the contender for Kaya's um, uh, whap against Grey. I don't know how else to say it. I hate... No. All right, all right. If you aren't thirsty for Grey, you are thirsty for Loki. Look, he was just really nice in his interactions with Don't Lucy. Don't edit out your hesitation there, because we all felt it. Um, it's it's Loki spelled with an E, which I find... Her, that hurts. That hurts my soul. I hate that. It is Loki. It's Locke. It's Locke, but spelled wrong. He is voiced by Eric Vale. Um, Kaya, would you like to go into this character? As much or as little as you see fit, given his entire personality becomes a spoiler. Like... Let's say, like, five more of these books from now. So it probably doesn't matter too much. Feel free. Um, he's... He's, he looks he's the like womanizer the, He looks of, like the red-headed green jacket-wearing kid from Digimon. Yeah. But he's, he's the womanizer of fairy tale. He always got a bitch, man. Multiple. There's, like, two or three at all times. I mean, he uses, like, ring charm magic, similar to the other... No! Doesn't. He does. He uses charms. No, he's lovely. No, he's lovely. 
Kaya later on it's revealed why he can't use his normal magic, so he uses charms. Because he's lovely. I'm not saying he's using roofy charms, he's I'm very, just saying he uses charms. You don't seem to be so defensive. And he's very caring. And he and Lucy get along real well. Yeah, he saved her from those definite rapists that one time. You know, for a f- <laughs> It tries to play it off a little more G-rated than it is. But it does not take a lot of thought to go, yeah, this is pretty, like, adult themes here and there. Especially for the, for the sake of the podcast, I will go into, for a while there, it's time slot change to a slightly more kid-friendly. Yeah. You remember hating this. At the start of every episode, it was a huge close-up of Natsu's face warning you to, like, not sit too close to the TV in case, like, epileptic seizure children would see it. Yeah. It, it, it's it, it's a weird balance between kind of played for kids and for laughs, but also, like, it's very fucked up a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you like Loki? Yeah. Who do you like better, Loki or Grey? Um. <sighs> Look, I like Grey, mm-hmm. but I also like Loki. What a decision that has been made. Alright, Mira Jane is next on the list of brief cameos here. Voiced by Monica R- uh, Ryle? No, say Ryle. It's like Dial with an R. Okay. Who I will say has voiced not one, but two delightfully offensive purple haired girls. It's a weird specific genre she finds herself in. Maybe she just likes purple hair. Yep, she does stocking from Panty, Stocking and Gardevoir. Yeah. And she also does Momoko from the infamous Ghost Stories dub. Take the time to uh, YouTube or Google Ghost Stories English dub. Even if you don't like anime, it's worth it. Kai, you want to go into that real quick before we, before I continue with Mira Jane? Side note. Yeah, a little was, bit of an anime side note. It was, um, I might get this very wrong, but it was overdone by people who didn't actually watch the episode. Well, they bought the show. Well, I don't know how copywriting and distribution works, but so, they bought the show and they were like, this is this is shit. So they decided to amuse themselves with it. Which, okay, so it's a very common thing for a Western company to buy Japanese footage. Mm. Power Rangers being one of the most successful looks into that. Pretty much anything you've seen dubbed has been, you know, bought from another company. Like Funimation does it, Crunchyroll does it. Anime Lab does it. Four Kids used to do it before they just got laughed off of the stage well, forever because of so the things they four do. Ki- four Kids is probably one of the ones most people knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference with Power Rangers is when they bought the rights to that show, they changed like the whole layout of episodes and the storylines. They and pretty everything. much recycled fight scenes. Whereas other shows like redubbed what was there. Mm-hmm. So. Ghost Stories, they bought the show, decided it was boring as crap, but the animation had some really interesting tweaks to it. Because it was also cheaply animated as well as cheaply written, so they were like, alright, bring it. Yeah, (laughs) so the whole show is dubbed with just, like, improv. Evil intent, I would say, it's dubbed with. (laughs) Well, yeah, pretty much. Racism, homophobia... A third example of something that would offend a lot of people. Bestiality. Yeah. Because of the rabbit episode. <laughs> nah, that didn't become bestiality. That was the twist. You thought it was going to go that way, but it was racist. 
Anyway. Yeah, so take the time, guys. It's really funny. That's right. an interesting look. So Mira Jane is like the centerfold chick of fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Like she's the sort of the spokesperson and the eye candy and all sorts of things. She's the most ladylike of the fairy tale group. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, when you put Mary Jane next to Connor, Mary Jane is the more ladylike of the group. <laughs> yeah, that's two examples. Um, do you want to go into Mary Jane at all? Or you just it's Alfman's sister, the one who has the Jekyll and Hyde demon form. But you As don't Elfman's really ever see older that. Sister, she doesn't pull it out unless she has to, and I think it's possibly because the master has asked her not to. And she's also like more of just like hanging around the guild, taking care of shit. Yeah, she, she's she's like more of a manager. I, I would say she's like second in command mm. because she like runs the bar. She looks after everybody. Takes care she's of the in guild, charge of um, the the request board. Request board. Um, she is an S class, but like we said, she doesn't really go. She's almost on. like retired esque. Yeah. She's like, I've done some cool shit, I'm just gonna kick it. I don't question if it's because, like, when she crosses over into her demonic form, she has a hard time coming back out. I think it's because of what happens to the sister, and I also think. Lasagna! And I also think that's why Elfman is, like, super. Manly. Yeah, I wanna be manly and not feel things because I had a really traumatic experience, so I'm just gonna not think about it anymore. Damn it, Lasagna! You ruined your family. Lasagna. Yeah, we probably are really ruined. Right. <laughs> and at this point in the bar brawl, um, it's it's a way, it's a good spot for me to talk about manga and anime discrepancies. So, firstly, in the anime, Lucy's standing to the side, out of harm's way, and Mira Jane set like says the chaos is fine until Alfman lands on her. You know, in the big bath, right? Mm-hmm. Then Grey gets his boxes stolen and asks Lucy for her underwear. Yes, it's a fan service gag, but it's somehow very plutonic in its delivery. You know, because well, Grey is a very polite man. She's like, are you using yours? And she's like, am I using my underwear? Technically, she was. Like, you have clothes over the top of it. I'm just like, Verandy. Exactly. It's like, it's like if a girl was He's not asking because it's hot to him. He's like, can you give me like something to cover my ass? No, but it's like if a girl was like, um, I'm a bit cold. Can I borrow your coat? Yeah, that's how he's he's treating it. He's like, um, I'm a bit naked. Could I borrow some clothes that you're not currently needing the use of? She put a skirt on. She doesn't need her underwear too. So manga differences. A. Lucy in the manga is cowering in fear under a table when Mira Jane finds her. I mean, I would be slightly concerned. Yep, yep. Okay, um, B. Mira Jane, instead of being hit with Uffman, is fucking bottled. <laughs> She's hit with a big glass, like Jack Daniels bottle, and is bleeding quite severely from the hairline. She doesn't seem to mind, though. Oh, she's so happy! <laughs> she's so She's so happy with chunks of blood running down her face. It's not necessarily a gory book, but it, like, plays that bar out as a, not a fucking good place to be ever. No. She goes down there, like, more than, like, the actual fight story arcs. All right, and number C. The, the reason I placed my hand the way I did. Number Num- C. Number C. Shut up. <laughs> I, I heard it too. God damn it. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. And then I saw your entire face change as your brain went, what did I just say? All right, so C is uh, Grey's full naked ass. 
in front of a very off-model surprised face, Lucy. I mean, we see the arse. She does not. She sees other things. <laughs> Alright, so those are the three examples uh, of how the series is lightly toned down for the animated version. Um, despite this, it, the show never feels caged up, does it? <laughs> like, they throw a few bastards and a shit around here and there for good measure, and it all, it all still feels okay. Yeah. It never feels... I've I've taken the gay character out of Sailor Moon. It never fucking hits that Look, sort of level. I... It's a show that I would be fine showing to anyone of any age. But you don't feel like, you know, some of those shows you feel like when you're watching it, it was supposed to be written for like... You can taste it being dumbed down. Yeah. Whereas that's not the version you've got. Whereas this you can't tell. And I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that it is... I would almost class it as a comedy. Yeah. It's got enough goof chaos to it, yeah. Because it's most of the time the only reason that they manage to get through like the majority of the challenge or anything like that is because one of them fucks up. Yeah. Um the only other main difference in the first volume is the grey also smokes in the manga. And I'm glad they removed it completely to just avoid dealing with it in the anime instead of having the lollipop photoshopped in one piece style. Yeah. Um Yep, so chaos worsens. Lucy uses a small cat named Happy as a human shield. Well, a cat shield. Yep, and then we meet one last character, a hulking shadowy beast. This big monster like stomps into the room, voiced by R. Bruce Elliot. Um, its presence alone stops the fighting before it shrinks down into a tiny little old man named Markarov the Guild Master. Kyle, do you want to give one more? Makarov is adorable. He's just a little man. And he's, he, he's a slightly more pervy in the manga, but he's, only towards Lucy, honestly. He is pretty pervy in the anime. It's only slightly more in the manga. He, he is slightly pervy in the anime. Mm. And it's not just to Lucy. It's any of the well, well, it's more equality, then. <laughs> it, it's literally... It's directed at all people. Oh, yeah. Um... He's, he's just a little tiny grandpa. Uh, uh, he doesn't a... even come up to, like, waist high on no, most No, people. he's a little gnome man. He is a little gnome man. And usually he's wearing, like, funky outfits. Yeah. I particularly think of his, like, little orange striped jumpsuit. That's what he wears in the first, ep- in the first appearance. In, it's got, like, a little jester hat on it. Yeah. Where is he? What a good boy. He's a little cute boy. I fucking like that image of Lucy. He's freaking terrifying as crap. Yeah, when you piss him off, and he, he's very protective of his children, as he calls his, you know, guild people. Which I feel that. Because they're all, like, pretty young upstarty guys, and he's, like, two generations on. Yeah. But, like, when you spend so much time with people... I Look, as a teacher, I completely understand calling, like, a bunch of misfits your children. Because when you spend you literally so have much a time... cat baby named Misfit, for all those listening at home. When you spend so much time around, like, being a mentor figure, mm-hmm. which is what he is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got to do, like, that little bit of discipline, but you've also got to do that, like, build-up talk as well. You do... They're your kids. You hate to see anything happen to them. Yep. And unless you maybe planned it. And some things are maybe happening to him right now. Not to... He, he, when he appears, he, like, shrinks back down to normal size, introduces himself to Lucy. 
But he's also got like a big stack of papers under his arm, mm-hmm. like a like a fucking phone book. Yeah. Uh, they're complaints from the council <laughs> regarding damages and general buffoonery taking place under Fairy Tales uh, actions. He promptly like burns it all, <laughs> and he well, does this. He knows. And he does this big motivational speech about how if they focused on all the rules and regulations and bullshit, they would be as bland and ineffective as all the other guilds. Yeah. I've coined a phrase right here in my notes that I think suits him well, and he's very art before smart. <laughs> Don't fucking say it, man. I was trying to think of a way to say that he's like, he's more about getting the job done than doing it well. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, though? Stop doing this. I mean, I know That's- what you mean. So, my next bit, Kyle is the magical stamp in my questions. So Lucy gets her guild mark. You know, like um, Natsu had his reveal in the last yeah. episode. She has a big pink one on her hand. Now, how do you think that it works? Because it's literally a stamp, but it's like a magical fancy stamp or whatever. Well, it's very confusing because it's a stamp. It's not a tattoo. But it's forever. But it also links... It lasts forever, but it also links them to the magic tree. Do you think it, like, washes off and they have to, like, redo it every once in a while? Like a fake tattoo? No, because they never fade. I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you this, the science. No. All right, where would you put yours, then? Ooh. It has to be pretty big, too. I've never seen a small guild tattoo in this series yet. Frantically Googling your own body parts. What are you doing? Where would you put it? I feel like they kind of have to be visible. Nah. 50% of them are that visible. Lucy's is on her hand. Hers is visible. Not Mira too. Gray's is because it's on his kid. He's always shirtless. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, the girls mostly have it on like their upper thigh. Alfman's got his on his neck. Happy's is on his back. Yeah, you never see his, like, ever. It's, it's, it's behind his backpack. backpack. Yeah. There's a lot of characters you don't see it on. I suppose. It's just none of the main ones. Okay. Um, I don't know. Remember my butt cheek? <laughs> Great. Well, then I would Left or right? It. Right. Yeah. That's okay, though. Because, You're right or... Because if it's on the left, it's on the Cripsa. Okay, so... I'm really sad that you didn't just pick up on my reference there. No time for your nonsense. Fuck you. Well, this little bit of everyday life at the Guild plays out. We meet uh, Romeo next, voiced by Kayla Carlisle in this season. He changed his bill out. He is a little boy who is panicking about his father, who we mentioned earlier, Macau Conbolt. It's like, try that again. No, it's like cold. It's like cold boat, but spelled wrong. It's, it's a weird one to look at. Okay. All right. Um, that guy's voiced by Brian Mathis. Um, he was supposed to be on a guild assignment for like three, about three days, but it's been over a week. Mhm. Um, and the kid leaves in a bit of a tiff shortly after being like, "Where's my dad?" And they're like, "He's doing a thing." Yeah, you know, and Natsu also leaves in a tiff shortly after. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And this is our episode's adventure, and that is to go find Macau. Um, 
When Lucy finds out about how Natsu's father disappeared at the same age as Romeo, dragon or not, um, he's very sensitive about the boy missing his dad. Look, he can relate to it. Yeah. Um, And when Lucy finds out, she decides to come help him too, uh, and quickly regrets it when when they go to the frozen tundra of a mountain. Um, Kyle, this this is where the ad break would be. Oh. I know, that's your favourite, so I make sure to write it down. Um, I like when she's like, it's cold as fuck, and he's like, you dress trampish. <laughs> of course you're cold. Yeah. Um, uh, when we come back from the ad break, we meet one of Lucy's other celestials. Uh, a shit one to pronounce. Horologium. <laughs> Horologium. Yep. He's a grandfather clock, and she is living inside him to get out of the cold. And this is not the first time this happens. It is the first time it happens. It's just a common occurrence. Oh, I meant this is this is not the only time that happens. Yeah. And I like the way he like responds because no one can hear her talking in the clock. Yes. And the clock will just be like he'll say whatever she said, and then like she responds. The way that yes yeah. says it. He says it like a book. It's great. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Because he'll be like she barked at you. Yeah. Well, inside the gang are attacked by a Vulcan. Unlike Spock, these Vulcans are big apes with pointy heads. Uh, it decides to steal the quote-unquote pretty female human. Um, in his cave, this Vulcan cave, um, the clock disappears for Lucy because they can't stay in the human world for too long. Um, but she's promptly almost saved once again by Natsu, who charges in, slips over on the ice, and is then tricked by... The ape monster into falling off a cliff. Yeah. Can you not go away? Why are you so mean to him? He does want to be your friend. <laughs> be my friend, Daddy. <laughs> Come here, buddy. So this really a fat ass cat on my notes. And in your nose. Mm-hmm. All over the thing. So, <coughs> after Natsu goes over the cliff, Lucy resorts to using another one of her keys. Mm-hmm. Taurus. You, you like that one? Kaya, mm-hmm. would you like to describe Taurus, the fancy cat? Um, here's a bull. Mm-hmm. A big bull. I don't like in all of his nipples. Teeny, tiny. Well, they're not whiteies, but. They are some very small ones. <laughs> Alright, for all those playing at home, he is dressed in the same quote-unquote outfit that a Marchamp wears. Yeah. Um, By which I mean a belt and black speedos. He has a very, very large... He has a big fancy axe. Axe. But he's also... Uh, horny, and he yeah. is extremely horny for Lucy. Is that a, like a bullhorn joke, you reckon? Maybe. But he it, he takes it to a level of disturb yeah, that just, I'm really not about. He likes at all. he likes her tits quite a bit. That's that's probably the most like fan servicey character. Yeah, and we all hate him for it. Yeah, I, I don't like him. So, Every time he comes out, I'm like, oh. So she's like, he's like, what's going on, fucking babe? And she's like, that fucking big old monkey over there's trying to keep me as a pet, and he's like, what the fuck? That's my heart. So these two perv creatures fight briefly, but then Natsuri returns. He charges back in and kicks the cow in the head instead. He's like, hang on, there's two monsters now. Well, 
he was gone. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know. Um, Lucy gets mad at him and then questions how riding, um, having, you know, riding with Happy is fine for him, but all vehicles make him sick. I mean, it's a question that I have too. But he then gets very offended, saying, like, Happy is not a mode of transportation. Happy is my friend. Again, kind of makes sense, but kind of not really. Yep. Um, this whole bit represents the show pretty well. Like, it's got these goofy idiots having dumb conversations, but then you got big magical fights, but also inspirational talks of brotherhood and friendship. Because as Natsu continues to beat up the big Yeti thing, he does this big speech about how he won't leave without Macau because the guild is his family. And if Fast and Furious has told me anything, is that you don't give up on family. Yeah. And the street always wins a street fight. Yeah. Listen to our previous episode. <laughs> Um, so the Vulcan picks up Taurus's big axe and swings it down at Natsu. Um, and I love the way he catches it and then in the struggle, like, starts to melt it with his hands. Yeah. Well, he is the fire dragon. Yeah, and he's catching, like, the molten steel that drips off and spitting it back at the Vulcan. Like Again. a gun. Like a little gun man. Why not? Yep. Um, he then knocks it out with his big fiery punch, to which Lucy points out, um, we still have to question it. Yeah, like, you, you knocked it out. <laughs> you, beat it, you beat it into nothingness. Luckily for them, though, it transforms back. You see, these Vulcans are body snatchers. They turn people into more of them. So when they pummeled it, the Vulcan spell broke off and Marco, um, Macau remains. Yeah. Um, he's upset with himself, you know, like he's a big failure. He fucked up his quest. He turned into a monster instead of, you know, punching a bunch of monsters. You know, and he was like, there was like 20 of them, they ambushed me, and I got through 19 of them. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, well, and he's already ashamed enough, because like, his child's getting picked on, because his dad is in like, that fucking drunk, stinky guild of all the screamy idiots. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not even like, a good one. <laughs> um, but, as Nato points out. It is cute. When he Nato's got through like, 19 of them. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Focus on the positive. Yeah, here. so we jump home to Romeo, who's been picked on by these older kids, saying his dad. They're butt wipes. Yeah, they're all stinky drunk hooligans. And in the bully's defense, kind of a good. Yeah, they're right. It is just, they're all just drunk hooligans screaming and punching one another and breaking things. Defer to wizards. I know, but they're, they're also the soccer hooligans from Eurotrip to an extent, are they not? Defer to wizards. Yep. Um, and this is when Natsu brings his dad home, bragging about how Mikau single-handedly brought down 19 of these big-ass Yeti monsters, leaving out the last one, of course. It's cute. You know, it, it inspires Romeo to join later on, even. Because that's, like, his origin story, but it's a setup. You don't see it for, like, ages. Yeah, five seasons. Yeah. Um, it ins- and it also inspires Lucy to stick to her guns and roll with these headstrong adventure-addicted morons. Which is also kind of cute. Um, I like these ragtag guys. Um, because, you know, I can't relate to disciplined people. Hmm. Ever. Hmm. <laughs> Alright, so... It is quite awkward. Look, these are two very short stories as far as the show goes. Most seasons feature, like, big huge story arcs like all shonen do. But personally, I do like the little adventures like these because... I think, for one, I'm used to episodic things, because, you know, we watch a lot of Western gardens, and we watch a lot of slice-of-life animes, which are always episodic. Um, um, Kai, how do you feel about the show, as far as an introduction and that follow-up go? Wait, wait, how do you feel? How does it stand? It gives you everything you need 
to move forward. But also, for, like, it gives without... you fuck all compared to, like, what you, you know, as you go. Yeah. You have a good starting point, but it is minuscule by the time you're done. Yeah. Like, we do, like, we've barely seen Grey. Urza ain't here yet. She's a big part of this. I know, like, th- there's so much not here yet. Yeah. Um, like I said last week, it's the future armor format. You get your, you get your fancy pilot to get you in, and then it's like a bunch of explanation about the guild, how it works, and the people inside. Yeah, but still, without giving you without being all boring. of that. Yeah, and still not giving you that much. Like it's one of those things where you think you know everything, and then like you, an, you another don't. fifty episodes yeah. later, they're like, "However, did you know this thing too?" And you're like. Oh, that explains all of that other stuff. Yeah. And then another, like, 50 episodes later, you're like, oh, hang on. Okay, radio. Like, it gives you what you think is an entire introduction until you realize it's not. Yeah. It's just, like, it's peeled back one layer. And it just keeps, like, peeling back that little bit more, a little bit more until you get to the core of the show. Um... Did you have any other thoughts about the show? Mm, I have a question. Okay, go. So, while watching the show, mm-hmm. I noticed... It took us a while to notice in There are some little gelid bin creatures. There's fucking critters, everybody. There are critters. They're, called, they're either called Easter eggs or creatures. Like, they're the vaguest shit I've ever seen or tried to Google. Explain to me the critters. So, in every single episode... Which we didn't know. We got pretty far. We got pretty far, and then we were like, oh, look, they happen every, like, five episodes or so. And then and you, you finally it, tried to like, Google oh, it, and it was shit. like, no, it happens all the time. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think we didn't realise until, like, the big bad of season one, which is, like, 50 episodes in. Yeah. I'm just going to write down a, th- a thing, because I didn't take notes for this bit. Um, so, much like, do you remember the aliens originally appeared in every episode of South Park until they forgot to keep doing it? Well, they did. Kenny always died, and there was always an alien somewhere in South Park. You bastard, you killed Kenny. I'm, I'm so glad you sat there and did a terrible impression that misquoted it. Thank you. But I'm going to continue anyway. Look, considering the fact that I don't watch South Park, mm-hmm. did pretty good. You didn't. <laughs> we will move on. All right, so every episode had like a weird squiggle of a creature in the background. Yeah. Now this brings me back to the comparisons with the manga. Because the first episode's one, in almost the exact same, I can't say timestamp or panel here, but in the same moment, um, the critters are there. They're the, and they're, it's always the same few. Like, the, there's not that many versions for every episode. This is the, the, the jellyfish couple. Bing. You know, they're there. They're in episode one during the, when they go to the cafe, which last week we mentioned. Alright, and they're in almost the exact same spot in the episode. And when I was reading it, I was like, there's those fucking things, because I, I watched it before I read it. Yay. So then it became, are they in every chapter as well? Oh. And I've run into a phenomenon I've run into a few times now called the silent internet. I know you've never really had this drama, because I did ask. Mm. Where you think you're at the cusp of something... Or you're trying to figure some shit out. 
and you Google it, and apparently you're the further only person than everyone already. Yeah. So if you are, if you start Googling these little Easter egg characters, you can find like really good compilations of every appearance to the timestamp mm. in the anime. Not a single thing about the manga. Not a one. Hmm. Which again makes me think, oh no, even like Japanese media have people who never read the source material books. I'm DCing again. I'm, God I'm damn just it. wondering where it was coming. Well, it's part of it. So I had to frantically go through chapter two for literal ages. It's not in the same spot this time. Because I was like, oh, maybe they're around the same bit every time because they are in the first one. And that's, yeah. then there's no information, but they're not. So instead of appearing near the big monster Markarov, there is a little tiny one over here on the shoulder. Look at that one. Oh, he's just a little boopy. He's a little fella. It almost looks a little bit like Blue. Yeah. So, there's a little man in every chapter, and I hate it. <laughs> because, alright, so in the original Harley Quinn comic run in the year 2000, every issue for the first, like, year, like, the first, like, creative team was on it, their, their stuff, mm-hmm. there was always a Batman somewhere in the book keeping an eye on the situation, ready to step in if shit goes out of hand. I mean, he never does. Yeah. But there is always a Batman in every issue, and there is nothing about it on the internet, nothing about it in the trades. The only time you ever, like, hear a confirmation about it was in the original issues, like, do you remember Letters to the Editor? That shit that don't happen no more? It's brought up in that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And that's all gone. That's silent internet. Yeah, and I hate it. I run being, into it a lot. Like, yeah. yeah. But you're very, like... I like to investigate these things. I get caught up on details. We're watching stuff and I'm like, oh, this is fun. And you're like, how can you enjoy this? That same person voices these four other people. And I'm like, which I mentioned last week. Because I didn't pick up on it. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like trivia. But it also is my detriment sometimes. It makes it very difficult to watch a film with you because we'll be sitting there watching a movie. You will quote... The start of Scooby-Doo to the finale of Scooby-Doo. But at least I... Out of habit. You can't stop yourself. But at least I quoted exactly in time with every character. Mm. If I said it slightly behind or slightly in front, it would be annoying. So for all the listeners at home, A, neither (laughs) of us are good to be around. (laughs) Wait! I'll be getting mad you, about casting no, and no, things I recognize and trivia me. in the background. And that one dude in the red sweater you see push the Christmas tree over in Gremlins that you can't fucking not notice ever again now. Excuse me. And then me. you've got Kyra quoting the entire Disney catalog e- and Scooby-Doo. Excuse me. I'm a horrible person to watch Scooby-Doo with. Yeah. You're a That's horrible an person thing to Scooby-Doo. watch any movie with because all you do is sit there on IMDb. And then point out all of the errors or, like, interesting facts in the film. As long as my mind is full of trivia, I don't have to think about anything else in there. Demons, man. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen. No, not on that note. Um, Yeah, you should email us at the School for Wayward Nerds and tell us if you've ever ran into silent internet. Because 
again, it's a phrase I made up, but someone has to relate to it. It's happened to me a lot. Do you remember when the bug gets squished in a music video and the guy who animated its name is in the splatter, but you can only like half see it on the shitty Apple version of the music video and no one apparently has ever fucking brought it up online? Have you really never dealt with this? Maybe I need to take you to get seen too. No. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm watching my This school is going to the asylum. Not Arkham. Um, alright, so homework. Yeah. Uh, what magic would you study? I mean, it's it's an obvious question, but it's a good enough one. Um, I want to study, um... Please take your time, I gotta Google a character. Okay, because I think I might have to Google one too. Who's the blue head chick? Oh, fuck, we're doing the same answer. Oh, no! Oh, no. Not Juvia. Juvia! Oh, damn it, no. (laughs) I have ruined his phone, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it auto-corrects Juvia to all capitals Juvia! So thanks for that. Can't find her. I'm going to say blue. Yeah. Can I add that to my search? Levy. Levy. I want to be Levy. Levy McGarden. A terrible surname. Oh, fuck. So for all those playing at home. I want to be Levy. Yeah, Levy's got good magic. Because I don't want to be the tongue guy. Oh, yeah. I don't don't know how he talks. Yeah, I don't know how he talks either. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) There's, There's a guy who he has little tiki drums that are his babies and he can attack people with them. But he talks with his entire tongue out of his mouth. Because that's but where his clearly, stamp is. But clearly, he can speak clearly with his entire tongue out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense. Um, Sorry. She's voiced by Christy Kane. Back to um, level she, your garden. And she does... She, like, writes shit in the air. And whatever she writes is what it is. Like, if she writes wood, it'll be made out of two by fours. Yeah. Which would be a handy magic to get a discipline in, because you've got me taking a solid gold G for gold to a pawn shop, and then taking a solid gold O to cash converters, <laughs> and so on, until I buy a cow. You could just write cow. No. <laughs> that would be disgusting, a disformed cow that's shaped like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she can also read, like, like any language, magical or otherwise. Yeah, she's very smart. She's a linguist. Um, her friends really like her. She, yeah, she's got little simps hanging around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would be a cool magic. She's got very useful magic because it does what it says. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could just write stuff down. But um, as much as I hate that dude who looked like an ice Pokemon trainer, whose name I'm all, I'm not even going to Google this guy, but he was. His magic was pretty much like, if he narrates something, it happens. Yeah. He didn't really abuse it as much as he could. Because I could I could have some shenanigans with that. He, he's a bad guy, though. I'd be all like, the cat got off the bench. <laughs> and then it would happen. Yeah. That would be so cool. <laughs> I wish I was special. <laughs> the jug boiled and made me a cup of coffee. <laughs> See, that would be a good, that'd be a sick magic to have. Well, you have that one, right. and I'll have the other one. All right, you got yourself a deal, fella. Okay, good. All right, that is. We've ended this episode with a peaceful resolution. Um, I've been your host. Uh, have we gone long enough? Are we good? Should check. One, two. 
All right, look at us go. We did an episode and a half of a 20-minute cartoon. <laughs> we're getting worse, ladies and gentlemen, but we're also getting on Spotify and Pandora and a bunch of other things. So if it's more convenient for you to find us somewhere else, you can do so at this point. Just don't find me at my house. Yeah. I will be asleep. Great. Uh, thank you for listening and doing all the things and downloading and supporting and doing all, all that stuff. Follow us on... Don't, don't worry about social media. Just just rate and review the podcast. That's all I'm asking. Send us an email. Yeah, tell us about your silent internet. Because ironically, if I Google that, because it's a phrase I made up, I get silent interneted. Oh, no. All right, um, this is serious. Yeah, um, bye. Bye now. Don't drink butterscotch soda. It's shit. Class dismissed. <laughs>